Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today we've got a crazy story involving a self-destruct system when somebody passes on. But first, a story from TurtleLover77. Eat my food? Have fun spending weeks misplacing stuff. A little background. I'm 25-year-old female. My brother, 21-year-old male, eats my food all the time. I constantly complain about it to my parents, but they don't care at all. This wouldn't be an issue, but as I'm a vegetarian, I buy my own food with my own money. It's annoying to go to the supermarket and then have all of my food eaten a few days later. Back to the story, yesterday I made lunch and left the leftovers on the kitchen counter as I was leaving for work soon and they would be my dinner. My brother, who decided to have lunch later, not only ate the food my mother had left for him, but ate my dinner as well. When I was packing to leave for work and saw my dinner was gone, I was livid. I confronted him about it and he laughed and said I should have hit it if I was going to eat it and that he had no way of knowing it was my food. While delicious, my food was very clearly not meat looking. Anyway, I had to leave for work and didn't have time to cook anything, so I was pissed. So now my petty self has decided to take revenge. While I can't eat his food, I can hide his stuff. Today I hid his protein powder. It was hidden well enough that he had to spend time looking for it but not suspect I'd done it. He has no idea. It's perfect. Tomorrow I'm thinking of maybe hiding his phone charger perhaps. Who knows? The possibilities are endless. I'm not gonna lie, I don't know if I have a capacity to have much respect for people who go into a shared refrigerator and eat whatever they find that isn't like, I don't know, got royal castle walls and labels built all around it. I shouldn't feel like I have to put my food in a safety deposit box before putting it in the fridge. If you had a relative that did that to your stuff, would you go out of your way to eat their food or take their things? Just, you know, a little bit of payback to them? Let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is from Sandwich Sandwiches, Very Creative Seasonal Revenge. When I was younger and living at home with my parents and an older sister, if I argued with her during the summer, she had a unique way of getting back at me. In the evening, she would go into my room, open all my windows, and turn on all my bedroom lights before shutting the door. A few hours later, I would head to my room to go to sleep and find it alive with mosquitoes, moths, and God knows what else. It used to make me so angry, and I would have to sleep in the lounge and wait for the raid to kill all the bugs. The next day, all my stuff would be caked in dead insects and I'd have to clean it all out. I hated her so much for it at the time, but I always had a begrudging respect for her creativity. I'll tell you one thing, I think that's a very good deterrent for stopping arguments or stopping you from <clears throat> bugging them. Our next story is from Erica Renee XOXO. Petty, not so petty revenge on a friend who took me for granted. This friend is someone I've known for at least seven years. He was basically family to me up until now. This guy does nothing to benefit himself. 
and thinks everything should be handed to him. When someone disagrees with him or he doesn't get his way, he throws a hissy fit, hasn't had a job in two years, and he's 25, not because he can't work, just because he doesn't want to. Constantly asks people for everything, etc. So long story short, I've, 22-year-old female, literally done nothing but be a good friend to him, let him stay with me even though he destroyed my house. That's a whole other story. Try to get him several jobs he wouldn't take, and all he did was lie about me and badmouthed me to our other friends. The last straw was really when I got him a job for the billionth time where I was starting, and he ruined it, even told him I'd drive him half the days, and our mutual friend would do the other half. He doesn't drive either, of course, and he acted like he was really going to do it this time. Around this time, he lived with our mutual friend. I'd asked said friend if he was home a couple of days before orientation, and he said, yeah, but we all have COVID. He doesn't, but he's still in the house with us, so... So I said, well, he shouldn't go to orientation, and I'm sure not taking him because I can't afford to get sick. Mind you, I was never asked to take him in the first place. I had a feeling the message was never relayed, so I messaged another mutual friend, whom said he would take him if he had to go. Flash forward to the night before orientation day, he messages me asking for a ride to orientation. I said very politely, I spoke to so-and-so a few days ago, and he said everyone but you in the house has COVID. Y'all are around each other, so I don't feel comfortable taking you and I don't even think you should go. I did find you another ride though anyway. He immediately starts losing it, telling me I'm a Karen and a baby and scared for nothing and I'm a crap friend and to never talk to him, blah blah blah. I'm ruining his chance at a job, you know. I found him a ride when I wasn't even obligated to because it wasn't my responsibility. He was really about to risk everyone's health too because, according to him, I don't have symptoms so I can't pass it. All I did was tell him I'm sorry. I have to put my health first. I don't have health insurance and I won't be the reason people at work get sick. A lot of older people work here. Whatever he does is on him. He didn't stop berating me though and ruined our friendship over a single ride that I got for him with someone else. So he had a ride to work regardless, but it just had to be me, I guess. He also threatened me, don't let me see you, etc. So the day of orientation, I got there early and I told his hiring manager he had COVID and showed him the messages of how crappy he was. Hearing him walk into the orientation room just for them to say he had to leave was the best thing ever. He was also 30 minutes late, which made him look even worse. Needless to say, he didn't get the job and hasn't talked to me since. Good riddance. Maybe next time you'll take some responsibility and not treat your friends like crap. You know, it's definitely one thing if you try to lean on your friends for support. You know, you can't drive or you need a living situation to kind of get by for a while. It's one thing to lean on your friends, but to do that and then also treat them like crap and also endanger their potential health? I don't even get why this dude thinks they're OP's friend at that point. They're clearly not a friend if they're acting like that. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Noodles McGregor. You won't pay? Yes, you will. I'm a contractor and took on work for a large apartment company. The management company took advantage and kept coming up with reasons as to why they wouldn't pay. I would remedy their bogus complaint and another would come. The dollar amounts were painful for me, but not enough to take to court. 
So I signed up for a few spam developer test sites. They sign your email up for thousands of email lists so you can test your new spam filter. But I um may have accidentally used their work emails a few times. 3,500 lists in all. About better. Apparently OP also put a lien against the property, but that wasn't necessarily the petty revenge part of it. Just saying it's nice to hear that OP got some petty revenge and some proper revenge, because screw anybody that doesn't want to pay their contractors. Our next story is from Reddit807. Update, a guy screams at a young woman working at Home Depot. I got revenge for her. I was at the Home Depot this morning and saw the same woman again. I decided to quickly let her know what happened. The entire conversation lasted maybe three minutes. I walked up to her and said, Hey, sir, you had to deal with that guy from the other day. I just wanted you to know that he dropped his car keys next to the storm drain in the parking lot and I may have accidentally nudged them in while side smiling sheepishly. He should not be yelling at the employees and it's never okay to call women the C word. Her eyes got wide and she let out a laugh, smiled and said he did come back in a couple of times asking if anyone has seen his keys, which they hadn't. I guess he was less aggressive while walking around looking. I asked if she knew if his car was towed or if his spouse brought a backup set, etc. She said she had no idea and didn't see. I said she handled herself well and she should be proud. Customers can be tough sometimes. She said thank you so much and that was it. The moral of this event is just be nice to people in retail. It isn't that hard. You don't even have to be overtly nice, just be normal. It's so easy to not scream at an employee. Most people successfully do it every day. Basically, if anybody missed my other Pro Revenge video where we covered the original story, the gist is there was a customer at a Home Depot who was ridiculous, called the cashier a C-word, dropped their keys on the way out in the parking lot, and OP went and kicked them in the storm drain. And while I still stand by my sentiment of saying that OP still is kind of awful for kicking the keys in a storm drain, it's pretty great that OP stood up for somebody who was getting disparaged like that. I mean, I totally agree with the sentiment that that lady was treated horribly and did not deserve any of that. This next story is from HippieChick067. I swapped their shoes. Prank me? No, I prank you. Guys at work kept pranking me. I work at a large plant taking care of janitorial duties which included taking the workers' dirty coveralls to the laundry. One day, while in the guy's locker room, I noticed the two guys who always pranked me had gotten new tennis shoes. Same brand, same color, not the same size. One guy wore an 11, the other guy wore 9.5. I took the right shoe and swapped them. This was on Friday. They were in such a hurry for the weekend that they changed and left without noticing. They told me on Monday they couldn't figure out why their feet hurt all weekend. Until I told them why. God, the look on their faces was priceless. This is actually a really good revenge. I can just imagine them getting dressed really quickly on their way out and they're like, dang, my right foot feels really tight for some reason. Or dang, my right foot feels really loose for some reason. Our next story is from Aw geez, what now? Oh no, your jeans are getting really tight. A friend did this and I got a good laugh and made sure not to get on her bad side. Background, she and her boyfriend would good-naturedly tease each other a lot, so this wasn't fun. It was back in the 90s and they were living together in an apartment that had free washers and dryers for tenants. Crazy, I know. So, one day, boyfriend walks by as she's snacking, pokes her in the side, and asks if she really thinks she should be eating that. Oh, dude. 
She laughs because she knows he's joking. She was quite slim, but plans her revenge. He goes out with a buddy, and she decides to do laundry. Of course, being the good partner, she gathers his stuff to wash too, including all his favorite jeans. After they finish in the washer, she puts them in the dryer on high heat. When they're dry, she puts them back in the dryer on high heat. When that cycle's done, she does it again, and again, and again. Then thoughtfully folds and puts away all the clean laundry. The next day, she just happens to be in the room as he's getting dressed and for some reason, is struggling to zip his jeans. She pokes him in the side and comments, Hmm, I guess someone's had a few too many snacks. And it wasn't me. It's a good revenge, but it kind of sucks because you're not really ruining the jeans per se, but you gotta really like break it back in to get it back to where it was. It's a good revenge, but the guy's gonna be walking around with like the tightest of tight pants on, hoping to God that it stretches back out. This next story is from Violet Anxiety. You want to use my locker? Fine. I got the lock, dummy. Basically, at my work, I work in the basement of a four-level building. The employee break room is on the fourth floor, and it's where the lockers for most staff is. But in the basement, we have a few of our own lockers. Only thing is, it's in the bathroom. So if you use the bathroom, you lock the door and cut off access to the lockers. We have about 16 down there, 10 of which are claimed. There's also a hallway with a shelf and coat hangers to put your stuff on. I got a locker during orientation in my job and had been using it since I got there. For a while, however, I had to stop because a certain coworker who'd get done earlier than me, he would hang out in the bathroom until I had to leave and lock the door. So I couldn't get my stuff until later. I'm very possessive over my stuff. Even with the lock on it, I get worried easily. So I just kept my stuff and lock in my purse and put it in my car. He left a few months later and I went to go use my locker again, only to find the stuff in it that wasn't mine. Stuff like prescription pills, an Apple watch, keys, and other miscellaneous things. I kept my lock in my purse and just moved the things to the side to put my purse in. I asked all my coworkers over the next few days if any of them kept their things in this certain locker. All denied. I even asked my boss to check the locker records and make sure I was using mine and not someone else's. And I was using mine. Since everyone denied it, and I didn't want to limit their access to important stuff, I just kept my purse to the side of the locker, and theirs to the other side. Soon after though, after the first shift left, and before I left for the end of the day, I noticed my bag wasn't in the locker. I checked the other open ones and found mine in one of them. I figured whoever stuff this was, was moving mine around. Again, I asked my coworkers the next few days, They all claim they don't use the stuff in there and it's not theirs. It happened almost every other day for about a week. And one day I just had it. I white out the combination on the back of the lock so no one but me would know. And on Friday, I checked my locker to find my stuff moved again. I got my purse, grabbed the lock, and locked my locker with all the other stuff in it. I didn't work the weekend either so it was locked until Monday morning. I walked in to immediately hear my name from a fellow coworker. She started chewing me out, asking why I locked it and she couldn't get to her stuff all weekend. She kept going on and on, saying how petty and upset and disappointed she was to trust a young lady like me to deprive her of her things. Once she was done, I calmly said, I had asked you multiple times on multiple occasions if this was your locker or if the things inside were yours. You denied all of it. After checking with my boss again and confirming it is my locker, I simply did what I was entitled to 
I locked it. If you're upset, take it up with the boss. Needless to say, boss sided with me. The stuff was removed from my locker that night, and a couple of morning shift people who worked with her came over to praise me for being petty and standing up for myself, since I never do. What I don't understand is why this lady felt the need to keep using this locker. OP said there was like a surplus of like 6 extra lockers, right? There's only 10 of 16 claimed? Also, OP said there was prescription stuff in there. Wouldn't it have their name on that unless it's like some daily organizer box thing? Maybe after just a couple of days of this going on and on, maybe you should have just put that Apple Watch on and strut around wearing it. This next story is from Upward Spiral Zero. My roommates are jerks, so I made sure to feed the ant colony in our house before I'm leaving. I'm living in a student apartment with two other female students. They would always stay up late until like 2 a.m. and make... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that after finishing a small questionnaire will match you with a licensed therapist where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash storytime pod. Noise, constantly hurting my sleep schedule, and also my ability to do well in exams. I confronted them multiple times about this, and I got some disgusting reactions. They would also always leave the kitchen full of unwashed dishes. Like, I cannot remember when the last time I actually saw the bottom of the sink. They would deliberately leave the key to the apartment door inside the lock so I couldn't come in without ringing the bell and waiting for them to open the door for me. I came to a conclusion that my best choice here would be to find a new apartment. So I have a few more days left until I leave and this weekend I'm all alone in the apartment until Sunday and I noticed an increasing presence of ants all over our dirty kitchen. As I said, they always leave the sink dirty with unwashed dishes, so ants started coming up lately, 
and they're actually swarming the sink. At first, when I realized that, I was like, screw this, I need to kill them. But then I thought to myself, why would I care? I'm leaving in a few days. They can roam around all they want. And then I realized that I have the apartment for myself for the weekend. So I did something very kind towards the ants, but very evil towards my roommates. Instead of getting rid of them, I started feeding them. Every couple of hours, I would leave a big spoon of brown sugar near the sink, where they were all already gathered. I'm hoping they grow a big colony. Go ants! OP actually went and included pictures of said ants on said counter. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, if you have to live with total slobs, and you're on your way out, and you're finally free to be rid of these slobs, might as well leave them with an apt parting gift. Our next story is from Nanya Business 11. My ex was a craphead. My ex was a total jerkwad and a misogynist. I was young and stupid with little to no self-esteem, so cut me some slack, please. Anywho, one day he was up to his regular antics, but he took it too far. We were at a party with all of our friends, and he proceeded to make jokes at my expense because I'm a little chubster. I tried to get him to stop calmly, but he was enjoying the attention the jokes brought him. I didn't say anything and just let him be. We got home and he asked me to order a pizza. I called up the pizza place and ordered a chicken pizza and specifically asked the chicken be shredded. A little context, he's a hardcore vegan. Like the kind that preaches veganism and gets all crazy about it. So we sat down to eat and he didn't notice the chicken. He ate two whole slices all the while praising how good they made it. Then I told him about the chicken pizza he just ate. The look on his face was priceless. Told him to move out and be gone by the morning. Ah, the look on that face still soothes me till today. Morally, I'm not saying what OP did here was the right thing, but putting myself in those shoes where I'm being belittled for how I look by somebody who you're supposed to, like, be partners with, you know, committed to, It would be breaking my heart, and I would want to have some kind of revenge too. Now, I don't know if I would have the heart to go and feed them something that breaks their hardcore veganism, but I'll tell you, it's probably pretty effective in making them feel awful. This next story is from GDrew28. Landlord wants a new roof. Let's go back two years. My wife and I are looking for a rental and got referred to a house that was for sale, but the owner was open to renting the house out. He gives us a quick tour and tells us two prices a lower price, and a higher price, which includes a stove and refrigerator. He eventually failed to provide us the appliances, but still kept the higher price. He also mentioned that he lived in a house behind us. Apparently, both houses share a water line, and to save us trouble, he would pay for the water bill. Keep this in mind. The first year of renting went smoothly. After our contract ended, we decided to stay another year. This is where things started to go downhill we started to see how manipulative he really was. He wouldn't get us a yearly contract, but would do a month-to-month agreement promising he wouldn't kick us out. He kept our deposit and continued to charge us the higher price. Never fixed our leaky hot water pipe, but asked us to close it. He would then threaten to sell the house, telling us to not be alarmed if we see a for sale sign outside. He did this for another year, so we would always be worried whether or not this would be our last month or not. So, my wife and I hatched a wonderful idea. He's wanting to sell. Why not buy it? We're already living in one of the houses. We ask him what he wants for both homes. He wants $150,000. What a steal! But there's a catch. 
He's afraid his home won't appraise for the sale price because he needs a new roof and wants us to pay for it. Red flag number one. We tell him get it in writing and lower your asking price. He gets a lawyer to write him a contract and conveniently leaves out that he would reimburse us if our deal falls through, plus he can back out whenever he wants. Red flag number two. Finally, one day, while talking, he slips up and tells us that he owes two years worth of house taxes. So if he did sell to us, we would have ended up paying for those. Red flag number three. Revenge, after months of going back and forth and the deal falling apart, we find a house and close within a month. We stopped upkeeping the rental, turned on the leaky hot water pipe, and are leaving with a one-day notice and will be turning in our keys instead of handing him money. He tried to screw us, and now he's got to fix his walls, his pipes, and will not be making money since the house will stay empty. Needless to say, I think this goes to show that if a house is being sold for an insanely good price, there is probably something very wrong underneath the bones or hidden or just kind of an aura around the house in the form of two years of unpaid house taxes. And our final story of the day is from an anonymous poster, Coworker automates system that self-destructs upon his demise. This story occurred over a decade ago as we were coming out of the last recession, but it felt appropriate to disclose in the current employment environment where staff is often treated as expenses and liabilities instead of assets that help drive revenue. I used to work in a large customer support call center for a major telecom provider, the one whose logo looks like a cerulean death star, providing support for one of their consumer product bundles, for example, VoIP phone, IPTV cable TV, and HSIA internet. Many call centers, including this one, have a workforce operations desk, which micromanages support agents on the floor to ensure they only spend 1 minute 50 seconds on after-call work, or 6 minutes and 40 seconds, or less than 6.66 minutes on a bathroom break, etc. This place sucked sweaty, stinky, hairy balls, and even a decade later, a crappy day in any job since is still better than the best day at this heck hole. The workforce operations desk had a required process to report metrics, such as calls received, calls answered, calls abandoned, etc., in order to ensure the site met contractual obligations and stayed in the good graces of the service provider as a third-party support vendor. Even though my employer produced the equipment installed in customer homes, this process was repeated twice each hour, with metrics being submitted at the top and bottom of each hour, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. The process was labor-intensive, and meeting the twice-hourly deadline seemed to be a constant concern for workforce operations staff, usually requiring at least one person dedicated to aggregating and parsing out the data into the format to be submitted throughout their shift. One of my friends, let's call him Jason, not really his name, who'd started around the time as me, was promoted from the call center floor to the workforce operations desk. Similarly, I was moved into a team lead role, meaning I was tasked with micromanaging my own team of agents. But mostly my new role was dealing with irate customers who had issues that either couldn't be resolved by the floor agents or needed coordination from other departments, like premise technician dispatches. In this role, I worked with the workforce operations desk frequently, as they usually reached out to leads and supervisors to toss over escalation calls. People that demanded to speak with a supervisor, 
After a few weeks in this new role, Jason developed scripting that automated much of this reporting process, so that at a click of a button, the reporting was pulled from its various sources and plugged into a template that could be submitted. Now, a process that used to take almost 30 minutes could be completed in under a minute, freeing up workforce operations staff to focus more on micromanaging bathroom breaks in between their own trips outside for a cigarette. Unfortunately, my friend, a computer genius in many ways, didn't always give senior leadership the respect they felt entitled to. After a while, workforce operations and site management forgot he'd developed this process that greatly improved their metrics and efficiency, and felt he was more of a liability, so they demoted him to a special projects group that, while given slightly more leeway in the way they resolved customer issues, were still floor agents. Meanwhile, they still used his redefined processes mindlessly, enjoying the benefits from its automation. That is, until corporate decided they wanted everyone to go through the same troubleshooting steps for each and every call, regardless of whether a step would result in an issue resolution. Think having to turn off and on a cable box, even if the issue was severe line degradation appearing on diagnostic tests that would ultimately result in a technician dispatch to the customer's home. They, corporate, developed a decision tree program that everyone had to follow. And since corporate had spent major dollars developing this asinine program that forced agents into scripted steps and made them click yes or no on various prompts to continue, they tied in the use of this process with metrics that were used to identify if agents were adhering to the new program, However, as the program was still in development and customer issues didn't always fit neatly into a predefined path, sometimes the calls and resulting process flow resulted in dead ends, where the program told agents to wrap up the call successfully even though no resolution had been provided. And if the program crashed, an agent's adherence metric would be dinged along with other rated metrics like call handle time, customer satisfaction, and repeated customer callbacks which were negatively affected due to this process. However, in beta testing this process with the special projects group, various feedback buttons had been enabled that would allow agents to submit comments and, well, feedback, that was intended to reach the software development team for improvements prior to rolling out across this and the other sites, both domestic and offshore. Jason, after working on the floor and workforce operations desk for a few years, knew what steps needed to be completed to resolve customer issues. And since the program was still in beta testing and would crash regularly resulting in starting over from the beginning of the process, he made sure to use the feedback button and was not shy about stating his strong opinions about the subpar software. Unfortunately, some of the more thin-skinned software developers working for corporate eventually came across the feedback he provided and took offense to his frequently caustic comments. They complained to their bosses, who, like a mortar shell, launched an incident report through their rings from corporate, through vendor management, to site management, until eventually landing in the lap of Jason's immediate supervisor. Since he was no longer a valued workforce operations member, and just another one of the agents on the floor, Jason was called into his manager's office, and after being shown a stack of feedback he'd submitted, printed on a full ream of paper with comments like, A room full of monkeys typing with smashed bananas could write better software than whomever wrote this code, and was promoted to customer. 
Reed fired. However, I mentioned earlier that he was a technical savant that no one had replaced since he was demoted or eventually terminated. As such, no one ever went through his programming to try to reverse engineer or improve on the automation he'd developed. Cue the pro-revenge. Fast forward a little more than three months after he'd been let go, and all heck broke loose at the workforce operations desk. Suddenly, the automated processes that required just a click to craft and submit the required productivity reports weren't working. I got a frantic call from the workforce operations managers, as they knew I dabbled in a bit of the spreadsheet arts, VBA, macros, etc., and they asked to see if I could help resolve some of the issues they were having. Unfortunately, I couldn't make any headway, and they resigned themselves to dusting off the old manual process that required dedicating a workforce operations staff member to putting together these reports twice an hour, 24 hours a day. That evening, I reached out to Jason, as we often caught up after work to decompress from the stress that place caused. I mentioned to him that the workforce operations desk was scrambling as their automated reporting process was failing and they couldn't figure out the errors. Once I mentioned this, Jason burst into laughter for a solid five minutes. We may have been imbibing some fermented beverages and herbs for medicinal use only. After he caught his breath, he explained that when he developed this process, he had almost unrestricted access to many systems including the active employee roster. He built in a step that, before performing any productive work for the workforce operations desk, validated this roster and verified his name was still present. Once his name disappeared for a number of workdays, the countdown on a software self-destruct started. After a little over three months, or enough time for working process files to get pushed into storage archives and overwritten, his program removed many of the links and processes that were required to automate the whole system, causing the whole thing to crash and burn. So, no easy way of just pulling a recent backup to restore the process with a saved copy. I stayed at the company for a few months afterwards, before seeking greener pastures elsewhere, but this story has always stuck with me as a perfect example of pro-revenge that I've yet to see occur since. Moral. If a circus employee that you're paying peanuts to finds a way to improve the show, make sure the tents won't collapse when you toss them out like elephant dung. Usually when you're working in a place like that and you want to hold down the job, you want to try to make yourself as indisposable as possible. Well, little did they know Jason made themselves extremely indisposable, but they just wouldn't find out how indisposable until long after Jason was gone. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another revenge story that was way crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video and you want to check that out, click on the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.